0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, June 18, 2023, we continue our sermon series called Knowing Jesus, the Gospel of Luke. Today's message, Judge Not, will be taught by Pastor Bob Wade from Luke chapter 6. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. Who are the hard-to-love people in your life? A family member you just don't click with, you just don't get along with. A member of your team, a friend of school, you just don't get along with them. They're not, not an enemy, but they're just hard to love. But there's this whole other scale. How do you love the people who, because you stand for Jesus and wanna follow Jesus, they hate you? And because they hate you, they hurt you with their words, they tear you down. They may even go as far as to physically harm you. It's important for us to remember that Christ isn't asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done for us. We were enemies of God, the scriptures say, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Friends, let's not be like the world. world says love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Christ says love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let us look different. Let us shine brightly in a dark place. Let us love the people in our life that are truly hard to love.
1: ask you a question. I did a little survey this week in the office, and I just wanted to see maybe how you would respond to all this too. You're not going to have to respond out loud, but I want you to think about what you'd say here. Here's the question. What do you think is the most quoted verse in the Bible? Not the most well-known, but the most quoted verse in the Bible. Now I will tell you, uh, and if you can think of one maybe that's popped into your mind, I would tell you that uh, John 3:16 kind of ran away with it. You know, I mean, obviously that's the one that so many people turn to for God so loved the world that he gave his only God, you know, that, that's number two behind that was uh, one from Paul's writing in Philippians chapter four, where he says, I can do all things through Christ. I will tell you that mine that I submitted um, finished last. It got one vote. Me, okay? Now, I still think I'm right. Let me tell you why I think Luke chapter 6, verse 37 is the most quoted verse in all of the Bible. Jesus is speaking here, and the words are, do not judge. I think that's quoted more than anything else I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but you know, you don't have to own a Bible to know that. You don't have to attend church to quote that. You don't have to even believe in God to know that that's exactly what Jesus said. That was his message. Isn't that kind of ironic? That you wouldn't have to believe or to follow Jesus' teachings to know it? That's because judging is not a faith issue. It's a human issue. It's a fleshly issue. That's why Jesus, here in Luke chapter six, since we started it a couple of weeks ago, has has been telling all these people who claim to follow him over and over again, I want you to be different. You need to look and sound and carry yourself different than the world. Be different. Specifically here, it has to do with judging and, and not being judges like the world. And the question is, what does he mean when he says judging? Because people misinterpret this all the time. I've had people, you know, look right at me and just say, hey, I've never judged anybody ever on anything. They can do anything they want. And here's why. Because I don't want God to judge me. Well, just to be clear here, you're wrong and you miss the point. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you're here in the passage in Luke chapter six and verses 37 through 42, that's the passage that was given to me. We're gonna stop, but we need to do something here. We need to add verse 36. Now, if you look, you might see that there's a little bit of a gap between 36 and 37 in your Bible. Let me just be really clear. In the Greek language is what the New Testament was written in there, okay? In the Greek language, there is no gap. In fact, But at the very beginning of verse 37 is a little Greek term there that's not listed in your English version. It's the word chi. It means and. This is one sentence. It's the same breath. It flows together and it changes dramatically how we look at the whole issue of mercy and judgment. There's a reason why we sang that song, Mercy Triumphs Over Judgment, because that is a biblical truth that Jesus is going to mention here. Look what he says, starting in verse 36. He says, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you see, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. This this passage here, is really important and it's important that we understand, we're gonna start off here and be very clear that before Jesus gets to what we mentioned there about justice and about forgiveness is mercy. Mercy here in verse 37 is a command. This is not a part, it's not like the great suggestion. It's not a hopeful statement. It's not I wish, this is a command as believers in Jesus Christ, you and I ought to be merciful, do our best to be merciful like the Father is merciful. We are not to be like the world, we are to be different. That means because, you know, in in the way this is all lined up in the scripture, 36 to 38, 36 being about mercy, that mercy should have an effect on judgment. Keep your finger here for a minute. I want you to go over to the right to James chapter two. James chapter two. James chapter two, verse 13 says this. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. These are powerful words. I mean, how I memorized it you know, when years ago when I would use the New American Standard all the time is that the judge won't be merciless to one who has shown no mercy. And so here's the point. If we want mercy, we better give mercy. Verse 38 tells us that we get what you give. Now, that may not sound like a really big deal to you, but I will be honest with you. I want people to be patient with me. I want people to be gracious to me. I, I, I'm not perfect. I mean, I want people to be kind to me. I, I, I want people to be merciful to me. And so, if I want those things, I need to be those things as well. According to James, you know, chapter two, thirteen, there is basically no caveat biblically for you and I not to be merciful. You know, we're kidding ourselves if we think, well, you know what, I don't really need to have a merciful attitude. I, I, I believe the right things, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing, but I don't have to be merciful. You know, I wasn't raised that way, or that's just not my personality. You're kidding yourself. Peter was as rough, and it's, I mean, you've you heard that term, you know, cuss like a sailor. Peter was a sailor. I mean, he was about as rough as you could possibly get. This is a guy that pulls out a knife in the garden and wants to take the Romans on. This guy is as rough as you can possibly get, and yet he's completely changed by Jesus. Paul, who very likely was guilty of murder and is this hyper-legalistic guy, gets changed completely by Jesus, by trusting in Jesus. When we do that, it changes us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17, it tells us that the old, that old sense that I see something and I don't like it, so I'm gonna judge you as, as being evil and wrong, that old is supposed to go away. And the new comes. What's the new? The Holy Spirit living inside of me, working inside of me, creating something new. We're not supposed to be thinking like or responding like the world responds. We're to be different. And so Jesus here in verse 37 will use two negatives that will be followed by two positives to describe what a merciful life, a life that's, that's given over to the Father, what that merciful life actually looks like. Now let me go back and read it again so we get it one more time here. 36 and 37, be merciful even as your Father is merciful, and judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. And so before judgment, before condemnation comes mercy. When you read it in context, it's very clear. As a Christ follower, I will tell you that that should rub me to the place that I have to ask this question, is that true of me? When people think of me, in the middle of a discussion someplace about whatever that's out there, do they look at me and think, oh, that's a really merciful guy? Or am I an arrogant know-it-all? We are called to be merciful. There's a difference between mercy and grace. I don't know if you know that exactly. You know, We're not called to exercise grace here. We're not called to give them. We don't give them eternal life or we don't give them adoption into God's family. We don't give them peace with God, but we're called to be merciful. Mercy is a a different thing. It's, it's, It's not giving them what they actually deserve. I mean, they could be doing something completely wrong and mercy comes along and doesn't mean I don't condemn them at that point. first two statements here regarding mercy these negatives here don't judge and don't condemn when you put them together they actually help us to find what part of judgment isn't okay because there is judgment in the Bible I mean God gave judges in the Old Testament there's even a book called Judges you'll look and you'll see that God himself Judges we're told in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, be wise in your judgment. So there is some form of judgment that's okay, but there's a lot of judgment, maybe most judgment that's not okay. Now that's where the second negative here, don't condemn, that's where this one comes in. Because see, the negative, Let me language wise, this is how it works. The second one qualifies the first. So, you know, it it probably reads more like this. Don't judge with condemnation. The Greek language probably even says it more closely like this. Not to judge and condemn. Most people do condemn, though, when they judge. We're not supposed to. Now, I know some of you are asking, well, okay, what's the part that we get to to judge in? Okay, I'll get to that really fast, then we'll move forward, okay? Discernment. There is a part of judging that we would probably call discernment. We'll get to that more in a minute, hey? But it's not a condemning judgment. Now, why should we not, why are we not supposed to judge and condemn? Well, there's two reasons. One is because judgment with condemnation is God the Father's role, not yours, not mine. We're not the final authority on life. We don't see everything, we don't hear every prayer, we don't understand where every heart is at before the Lord. We don't get the chance to see that, we don't have that ability. And so for us to place ourselves in a position of judge where we usurp God's authority to make those decisions places us in a bad spot. Even Jesus, in John chapter three, verse 17, when he follows off those famous words, you know, that that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you know, that, verse 16, he follows it in 17, and he says, I did not come to condemn the world. What Jesus is saying is that wasn't even his role. It's the Father's role, not ours. The Second reason why judgment with condemnation is God's role is he's perfect. He judges perfectly. In fact, in Psalm 75, verse 2, he makes an amazing statement there. He says, I judge with equity. I, I was trying to you know, get a, a better grasp exactly on what that word means. It doesn't just mean fair, it means perfect. I judge with all of the information, with all of the. I judge perfectly. Do we? No. In fact, that's why the book of Romans, we just finished, you know, a, almost a two-year study of the book of Romans. Romans warns us against judging with condemnation. For example, in Romans chapter two, verse one, it says, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Or Romans 14.10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. This is maybe even more than you could even possibly think of. I'll give you a perfect example, another one. In Jude chapter one, there's a little, I mean, that's probably not the place that most of us have done a lot of reading, right? Jude one, let me just read the, the, the passage here and then I'll tell you what it means. It says, but when the archangel Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, the archangel Michael, which is a really big deal and sort of oversees all of the angels, not even he comes along and judges. That's the father's thing. The father rebuke you, not me. Listen, I, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the Bible has 59, 59 times the Bible refers to this where it says, the one another. You ever heard that before? You ever seen those passages, the one another passages? They're all about how we treat other people, the one another's. Fifty-nine times, not a single one of them includes judgment. Why? Because mercy triumphs over judgment. of the chief criticism of Christianity is whoa we're so judgmental I find that ironic turn the TV on sometime and watch the news the whole world is judgmental we're just supposed to be different we're not supposed to be like everybody else That's why Jesus is calling us to be different. Don't judge like the world judges. Don't usurp the Father's authority. You know, a a condemning spirit is not the attitude that God has called us to. In fact, it's the opposite. He wants the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit does live inside us, there's something incredibly wooing about that. You know, I've said this before, but... You know, if you were to stop, if I were to stop up here in like a cooking show, you know, and I had a grill and the whole bit, and, a, and a, maybe a big microwave, and I, I took one big bowl and I threw this amazing steak in the bowl and I just threw the, the potatoes in. I didn't even, you know, try, I just threw that in. Maybe some sour cream and some other things, a little salt and pepper, whatever. And then I put a cover over top and I stick it in the microwave and I cook it for whatever, you know, four minutes or five minutes. And then the other side I go over and I've got this incredible grill and I grill up the steak perfectly and I man, the potatoes are just, pr- I mean, they're steaming and it's just, I mean, it looks great and I bring both of them out and I put them out. They have the same nutritional value, but one of them's appealing and one of them's not, right? What's he calling us to? not be the bull. I'm not calling you to be like the world. That's why he tells us that when when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit is inside of our lives, Galatians 5 says, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness, There's no fruit there that says condemning judgment. Now, not condemning in judgment does not mean, I wanna be clear here, does not mean you ought not to be discerning. You need to be discerning. We are not called to be naive. We are called to be able to differentiate between right and wrong, good and evil, real and fake. And if I can tell the difference between those things based upon what is good and what's evil, then I can encourage righteousness, I can choose righteousness, I can teach and I can practice righteousness, but I do it all with a winsome spirit, not a better than spirit. I do it with a spirit that says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have the mercy of God on my life so that I know what the right answer is. Listen, the sweet aroma of the gospel should never be overshadowed by the smell of our own personal judgment and condemnation. Now, you get to the end of verse 37 and the end of verse 38, and Jesus is gonna give two positive descriptions of what we look like when we're merciful like the Father. The first one here is we forgive. If we're gonna be like Jesus we're called to be merciful, then we need to forgive. As I was studying for this, I started, you know, again, I write questions to myself all the time when I'm studying, because I can think, you know, a little bit better like that. The question I started asking is, are there people that I haven't forgiven? I mean, are there people that I'm sort of holding it up, like I'm better than them, and I'm just gonna wait till they grovel a little bit more? Are there people I'm given the silent treatment, which is the lowest form of communication known to man? I need to be merciful like the Father. Are there individuals out there that's just waiting for me to say those words, man, I love you, I forgive you, I'm so sorry. I should have forgiven you a long time ago and I'm, it was wrong with me. I mean, just let me, let me make a little statement here and you tell me whether you would say yes or no. We are like Jesus when we love. Yes. We are like Jesus when we serve. Yes. We are like Jesus when we forgive. Yes. We are like Jesus when we're merciful. Yes. We are like Jesus when we judge. No. No. He's perfect, I'm not. We are to forgive like Christ forgive. Now the second thing, the second positive he gives here, he says is to give in verse 38. Again, the second, quali- or, so, second positive is the qualifier of the first. To forgive, we are to forgive, not reluctantly, but we're to forgive freely. To give is, is to be Christ-like. Jesus himself came to give. It's the opposite of human nature. I mean, think about it. You ever watch your little kids get out and play and there's a bunch of toys and, and, you know, if you haven't done this, you should go over and then you go to the children's building and watch this sometime. All these toys out there and then another little kid comes up. They grab a toy and they go, yours, yours. No. I mean, they start doing this. Mine. Ah! You know, I mean, they yell at each other. Why? It's human nature. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's, it's our flesh crying out. But it's not supposed to be the way we are. Notice when Jesus says here, after we forgive and when we give, Jesus says, You will get back. Let me read that to you, verse 38. He says, And give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over we put into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you now let me be really really clear this is not a get rich scheme this is not oh man i'm going to go put this money in the offering and then jesus is going to give me like a hundredfold yeah you know no that's not what this is about the context here again is the idea of being merciful and forgiving And so what he's he's not, not saying this is karma or anything like this. What the promise here is you will be blessed. You'll get forgiven so easily. People will be gracious to you and merciful to you because that's how you live life. Now, just to make sure that they would get this truth about the teaching here, Jesus will tell a story called a parable. Now, here's what's really important for you to understand here. A, a parable is is not typically something that um, a, a, a Greco-Roman mindset would have used, because you know, Greco-Roman mindset built an argument like like a, you know like you were walking upstairs. You, know, you built the argument like this, but in the Eastern world, very often truth was communicated in a story form because people would go, "Oh, I get that." And so Jesus, because he was Eastern mindset, you know, taught with parables. He would tell a story that you'd go, "Oh." I get that. So he's going to tell them a story here, starting in verse 39. Listen to what he says. And he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? The disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So the, he's basically a statement here you need to focus in on you. Be very careful who you follow because if they stumble, you stumble too. If they lead you down the wrong path, you go down the wrong path too. That's why we could never get away from the book, people. It doesn't matter what I think. I'll be honest with you. It does not matter what anybody that stands in a pulpit thinks. It only matters what God's truth is. And in doing that, I just want to be really careful and tell you here that you have to have a form of accountability set up in a church to make sure that as you're working through the scriptures, there are competent people that are going, let's stay right on track. Because it's not about manipulating. It's not about any of those things. It's always about what does God's word have to say? So how do you know then that I would fall if I'm following the wrong teacher? Because verse 40 says a student is not above his teacher. If they lead you down a path that causes you to stumble, they will stumble, you will stumble as well. So choose carefully who you would follow. Now a part of that parable keeps going here because he takes off in verses 41 and 42 and he says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourselves do not see the log that is in your own eye. Jesus is here telling them, you need to examine your life before you launch into examining others. Don't look for imperfections in other people. Don't look for the speck in someone else's eye. Look at yourself first. Get the log out first. Take care of your issues first. First. I'm going to be honest with you, this is not an easy thing to do because, you know, by and large, as human beings, we pretend we have no issues. I got it under control. I got it all under control. Your issues are way worse than mine. Let's talk about yours. It's so interesting here because Jesus calls this person in verse 42 hypocrite. To us, you know, To us, the word hypocrite means someone who says one thing and does another. That's a hypocrite. But here it's the idea of not being spiritually authentic, not being who you were born spiritually to be. The Greek word here for for hypocrite is the word actor. It means actor. An actor in those days didn't put on makeup they put on all the clothing and everything, but then they held up a mask. Sometimes the mask would fit over their, their face, but sometimes they would hold it up and it had a stick in front of it, and there was a mask on. And so if they're playing you know, a role that's a happy role, they simply wear a mask It has a happy face on it. If they're playing a role that's a sad role, then they've got you know, the other way, a sad face on But here's the point, the mask hides the real you. You could pretend to be something that you're not. You could just simply be an actor. You could be playing a very happy role when really you're torn up inside. What Jesus is saying here is being an actor might be fine on stage, but it's not who you were meant to be spiritually. You know, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'll come back and and join me. Hypocrisy at its core says... Don't look at me. Look at them. The world would be a better place if they changed. The world would be a better place, you know, if, if, if you could just forget the log that's in my eye and notice that speck that that guy has in his over there. That's being spiritually inauthentic. It's acting holy. It's wearing that holy mask But the fact that you have no mercy means that something is desperately wrong with you. See, Jesus here in in chapter six of Luke is calling us to live differently. And I will tell you, I I told the first hour this too, and I I don't want to kid you on this. This is maybe one of the hardest messages I've ever given my whole life. It's hard because we always think this is someone else's issue. It's hard because there's not a single thing I could say, hey, stop doing that. Because, see, this particular message, when it comes to us being merciful, requires that each of us sort of search inside of our hearts to find out am I personally right with the Lord here? Or am I living a life of hypocrisy? Am I just being an actor? We were called to be merciful. This is a tough message. In John chapter six, Jesus stops. He's got this this large group of disciples, hundreds and hundreds of people that are following him around. And he, he makes this hard statement about what it means to follow him. And it says that many of them stopped following and never followed him again. This is a hard message. What are you going to do with Jesus' call? Hmm? We are to be merciful, not judgmental, not in a condemning way. Instead, we're to be forgiving and to forgive easily. Yes, be discerning. Yes, make choices appropriately. But in the middle of that, you don't throw mercy out the window. Mercy is the defining place where you and I as believers are to be here. Now the question would be is, do you have business to do with the Lord? So I've had all week long to, be, to think about this. I know for me, I do. Because you know what? I like things a certain way. I like order in life. And I like... Thing, and I become very unmerciful at times with people and I do not at that time reflect the Savior is there areas that you need to go to the Lord on would you take a minute right where you're at I'm going to ask if you just take a moment and close your eyes for a second focus in on you just for a second some areas that maybe you've just allowed the world to make you angry at other people to the point that you condemn them and you're hateful and you wish they'd just die ask God to forgive you to make you merciful it doesn't make their position right it makes us who God wants us to be so that we can reach out to them Father, would you move in our hearts? Would you call us and help us and guide us to be the merciful examples that you are? Lord, it's your mercy that triumphed over our judgment. Would you teach us to be like you, Lord? To follow you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. There are going to be some people that are going to be up here that would love to be able to pray with you, talk with you, uh, pray for you, whatever you'd need. If you want to talk to somebody, they're going to be here. But I have one encouragement for you. This week, obey verse 36. Be merciful like your Father in heaven is merciful. And just see what happens. See what God does when, I'm not talking about, you know, don't give in to somebody's position. I'm talking about you just simply being merciful in life and in the conversation, whether it's your home, whether it's your work, whatever the case may be, be an instrument of God's mercy and see what God does. God bless you. Love you all. Have a great day.